Today, we're going to discuss the mysterious case of four Chinese investigative geologists who went missing and died while on the job in November of 2021. Early on, the case drives interesting parallels to a case we discussed in a previous video, one where a perfectly healthy family of three and their dog were found dead near Yosemite National Park, also in the year of 2021. These cases share early theories surrounding toxic algae exposure and potentially contaminated drinking water. If you want to hear more about this case, you can check out that video. It's called Yosemite National Park is Hiding Its History, and you can find it on my channel or in the description down below. However, when you dig a little deeper into the mysterious death of these men, you'll find that these two cases aren't exactly the same. It's true. Both cases offer varying levels of mystery, sadness, and each acts as a sort of cautionary tale of their own. On the one hand, you have a family who seems to have perished from hyperthermia, which is when the core body temperature rises and a lot of unpleasant things start happening, like extreme heat exhaustion and dehydration. Then on the other hand, you have four men who some believe have suffered from hypothermia, the opposite of hyperthermia, but equally as deadly. You notice that I said some, believe the men suffered hypothermia. Well, I guess that's the big difference here, because unlike the Yosemite case, one which received lots of coverage and was widely agreed upon, not to mention solved, not everyone agrees with the cause of death assigned to these four men. What's frustrating is there doesn't seem to be much mainstream media coverage on this one. There weren't various news sources covering the story or spreading awareness. In fact, I couldn't find a single story that broke in the United States about this at all. No one seems to be discussing this in the mainstream. But that doesn't mean that no one is discussing this case at all. Because while the hypothermia, because why the hypothermia theory is widely accepted by Chinese mainstream medication, there are still several individuals, including geologists themselves, who greatly disagree. So. Let's get into it and find out why. On November 13th, 2021, four investigative geologists from Kunming Natural Resources Comprehensive Survey Center of the China Geological Survey entered the Ailao Mountains in Yunnan to survey forestry resources. Among them were 25-year-old Zhang Jingbang, who was last seen wearing a yellow storm jacket and thermal underwear. Yang Min, who was 27, and Zhang Yu, who was 32, were also wearing camouflage clothing and thermal underwear, while Lai Yu, 29, was wearing a down jacket. Between them, they had over 20 types of tools and more than enough food for the intended duration of their trip. Zhang carried a gray-blue backpack with a compressed, Zhang carried a blue-gray backpack with a compass and tablet, and Zhang Yu carried a camouflage bag with food and homework tools. The bag included an RTK, or a real-time kinematic, positioning system, a tablet, computer, forest compass, engineering shovel, machete, snake medicine, bear spray, measuring tapes, power banks, and many other similar supplies. According to some reports from Chinese newspapers, the survey center had undertaken forestry resource surveys in Yunnan and Guangdong provinces since 2019. These four geologists were in their prime, all having apparently served in the armed police force before going to work in the Kunming Geological Bureau. Their capabilities overall were more advanced than your average geologist, to say the least. They were practically skilled at field survival and adaptability. Having done a lot of preparatory work before starting the actual survey, 
They even set up mechanical compasses and RTK signal equipment, which we will most definitely discuss as we move forward. Basically, I'm saying these men were incredibly prepared. Not only that, they were veterans to the program. Survey teams consisting of individuals with field work experience undergo specific training and are required to pass an assessment. All four of these men had passed their individual assessments and, at the time of their disappearance, had completed 32 survey tasks in the Yunnan province that year. Overall, given all these factors, the likelihood of an accident seems pretty low. Low, but not impossible. So let's keep going. What happened once those men physically entered the Ailals on November 13th? Upon entering the mountains, they traveled from the west side up to the east side where they measured a sample called number 6134. With the sample collected, they circled back around, starting their journey back down the mountain. The original plan was to set up camp and meet the man who had driven them there the following afternoon. Except by 4 p.m. on November 14th, the group had lost all contact. Their bodies would be discovered almost a week after their disappearance. Before we tackle the deaths and disappearances of these men, we need to go back to the internal NRCSC report from October 23rd, 2021. Less than a month before the group vanished, reports state that NRCSC hired a local guide to help conduct a preliminary route survey. However, there's no indication a local guide accompanied the men on their trip. Oddly enough, other outside reports specifically state the group decided to do the survey alone after failing to hire a local guide. The men's driver, who was meant to pick them up on the 14th, even confirmed the men entered the mountain alone for both the preparations and the actual survey. Why the discrepancy? This may seem like a small detail, but it's one of the many small details officials and experts cannot seem to agree on. They start with the NRCSC report, and they end with the details surrounding what actually killed these men. So let's move on to how rescuers found these guys. What exactly did it take to find these men? 10 helicopters, more than 50 drones, and 8,000 people. This was the total deployment for the search and rescue mission that lasted over a week's time. Beginning on the evening of November 15th, when the local government immediately set up a rescue headquarters, and ending on the 23rd when the bodies were removed from the mountain. The teams entered the core of the Ailao Mountain National Nature Reserve. The mountains are high, the forests are dense, and the ravines are vertical and horizontal. And all of them are steep slopes. From November 15th to the 17th, they searched continuously until heavy rain and fog severely reduced visibility, forcing an end to the search. On the 20th, the local rescue headquarters sent additional personnel and formed three crossing teams of 24 members. They also set up a camp near the location of the last personnel to expand the search. Finally, on the 21st, a drone with thermal imaging flew over the area and discovered three people lying on the ground. Through additional thermal imaging, the headquarters determined the specific location of the fourth and final deceased man early on the 22nd, near a steep mountain by the other three. The official report from the search and rescue headquarters was released at 9 that morning and explained all four geologist surveyors had been found deceased. The cause of death was not immediately obvious to authorities, but they were able to rule out several things based on their initial findings. While searching for the men, pieces of disposable raincoats were found discarded around the area the men were thought to have disappeared from. 
Among footprints found by the search and rescue team, there were paint marks left by the four people on the slate. Traces of tree cutting, discarded machetes, and a simple shack covered with disposable raincoats as a makeshift roof. Upon investigating, it was instantly discovered untouched inside the shack. Those who came upon the scene described seeing the four men were in various stages of dress, some fully clothed while others were stripped down entirely, and eerily each man had a smile fixated on their face. On the 23rd, exactly 10 days after the men entered the mountains, their bodies were brought down. The investigation into their death, however, would continue through December 2021. Once the men were discovered, authorities and experts set out to determine what exactly happened to them. All four were strong, possessed survival experience, and they had plenty of food. Earlier, we also mentioned the RTK positioning system and RTK devices, though their satellite phones were left in the car for unknown reasons. Each one did bring an RTK device. By simply pressing a button, they could have used them to relay their positions to rescuers or to ensure that they were in the correct location. However, the devices were never turned on and were never used. When the search team first discovered the RTK equipment, they were surprised and confused as to why the devices were not used to send a distress signal. Some reports state it was widely understood this was the equipment's intended purpose and that the men would have understood the Geological Bureau would be able to locate them. Nevertheless, without the signal, it would be impossible to know where the men's exact position on the mountain was. This is where things start to get a bit muddy in the reportings. You can just as easily find articles disputing this fact along with other facts attached to this investigation. Some reports speculate the men may have been less experienced than believed. Theories that explicitly state that experience has nothing to do with it and likely the RTK equipment experienced a failure due to the weather in the area, particularly at the elevation the men were surveying. If they were indeed inexperienced, it's possible they wouldn't have understood how the RTK worked and it could also explain why they felt it was not a big deal to leave their satellite phones in their vehicles. What it does not explain is how the men had managed to complete 32 surveys prior or how they were able to set up the RTK system to begin with because remember, these men never received a local guide to assist their preparations. They had done all of this themselves. Also, the issue is not how the RTK was set up, but rather how none of the men seemed to use it for its intended emergency purpose. If you recall, sources said they recognized and confirmed the four men had served in the armed police force, noting them as former decorated officers. If that is the truth, then why are new reports speculating something entirely different? An interview with different individuals apparently connected to the NRCSC was published in a Chinese newspaper called Sanlian Life Weekly, which stated Zhang Yu and Yang Min, the oldest team members, used to only do logistics or kitchen work, but were transferred to forest investigation in September of 2021. Of course, the details surrounding their lives before forestry work remain more clouded than anything. As the investigation itself, and it's difficult to confirm their exact ranks with the NRCSC via the Chinese media, details as important as these shouldn't be difficult to keep straight, but it appears that there are many important pieces of this puzzle that have either changed or simply left out entirely, or ignored. Regardless of the men's past experience or lack thereof, how would investigators explain the other curious details mentioned in their discovery? How would they explain one of the four members managing to be completely naked? 
or even stranger, what would cause all four of them to be smiling post-mortem? Basically, according to Chinese officials and the PRC, or the Yunnan Province Republic of China, hypothermia could explain just about everything, so eventually that's what they put it down to as the cause of death. More specifically, the men suffered cardiogenic shock brought on by hypothermia. Officials even explain the smiles as muscles relaxing in relation to the positioning of the bodies. Investigators also stated the autopsy supported their claim, as well as forensic tests conducted by the Bureau. Interestingly though, an autopsy report has never actually been released, only the cause of death as stated by officials. It's this detail, the lack of transparency, which has caused many to believe the authorities are not being totally honest. Withholding this information has only caused others to speculate theories of their own, theories we'll get into soon enough. First, we're going to finish exploring the hypothermia theory since it's what officials were the most public about, and to this day, it's still technically listed as their cause of death, well, publicly anyway. We will start with the weather conditions. Were they even worthy of bringing on sudden hypothermia? On November 13th, the day the men entered the mountains, there was light to moderate rain with the temperature being around 11 degrees Celsius to 9 degrees Celsius or between 52 to 48 degrees Fahrenheit. As for the next day, November 14th, the day the men would have been ascending the mountain, there was moderate rain with identical temperatures to the previous day. So while it would have been chilly, it definitely wouldn't have been hypothermia chilly. Now, this is the official weather report from that day, but believe it or not, even this detail has changed, so here we go again with the discrepancies. It's assumed that the weather details have changed simply because more information has been discovered, which is a fair assumption, however, it's still questionable, so let's question it. Initially, it was reported that the weather was typical for that time of year, but not extreme. The area had seen rainfall recently, and though there was a lot of it, temperatures did remain above 40 degrees most days, even through the night. Later reports indicated the mountain may have faced a severe weather storm, though. There wasn't any evidence to support the idea of a storm so severe it could cause hypothermia. Earlier, we described what the men were wearing when they entered the mountain, and based on those descriptions, experts said their clothing was sufficient. Furthering that their larger jackets protected them from the cold and their additional raincoats for the added rainfall, these were the same raincoats the men had willingly used to set up the roof of their temporary shelter on November 13th. Conflicting reports were coming out stating that the men's clothing would not have been suitable for this weather, citing that the men only wore disposable raincoats when entering the mountain and had taken them off at some point causing the onset of hypothermia. Many people took issue with this detail, stating it simply was not true, and claiming officials were changing details to fit their hypothermia narrative. The NRCSC themselves stated that the clothing was most suitable for these conditions, arguing the men were all equipped in addition to being well-dressed. The other detail people take issue with is the fact that the men had willingly built a perfectly functional shelter along with several tools. It would seem the group had everything they needed to survive the night, but yet they decided not to use any of it. Eventually, authorities proposed that the men had built their shelter prior to getting lost and ultimately dying from hypothermia. Their case was built on a few elements, one being that they had learned that the conditions that day were less than favorable, boasting heavy rain and severe fog. This information was provided by an unnamed forest ranger in the Yunnan. In the ranger's words, it was foggy after 3 o'clock on November 13th and he could not even see 5 meters in front of him. He feared becoming lost and he did not enter the mountain with the men, but stated 
He even warned them that it wasn't safe. This seems a little bit sketchy, and it's not just me who feels this way. The unnamed witness seems to be the only witness to back up this information. Had conditions truly been that unsafe, there's no way the NRCSC or the men themselves would have ascended the mountain for overnight survey work. It's believed that if this man is indeed telling the truth, then park officials failed miserably at protecting the public as the mountain had remained opened all day up until the investigation until their disappearance started. Possibly the biggest piece of supporting evidence of the lost theory is that search and rescue personnel found the compass failed due to the mountain's magnetic field interference. This led investigators to believe in the possibility that the men's RTK devices experienced a similar issue. They combined these details with low visibility following the fog and rain to determine that the group would not have been able to find their way back from collecting their initial sample. Therefore, the men's camp was likely set up prior to them leaving to collect the sample. During the early stages of the investigation, hypothermia had already been publicly speculated as the most likely possibility, but it wasn't until December 5th, 2021, Yunnan officials named it as their working theory. And at this time, the remains caught and at this time remains the cause of death on their official death report, yet the police remained in the area beyond December 5th, closing it off to the public with little explanation. The extended police presence made some feel uncomfortable and raised many questions as to why they remained even after the cause of death was announced and the bodies were removed. If the case was thought to be nothing more than hypothermia, then why did the police remain on the scene? And was the public in some sort of danger? What else had they been investigating as a possible cause of death? Without an autopsy being released, alternative theories have been proposed to account for the inconsistencies with hypothermia. How did these four perfectly healthy men die suddenly? Each of the men had gasoline with them, which was brought for the express purpose of starting fires, for no fire or traces were ever found. When it comes to the hypothermia theory, the strangest detail the public is asked to accept is the fact that none of these men even attempted to save their own lives at any point. Starting from the beginning when they apparently willingly entered a mountain under presumably dangerous conditions, which if that were the case, these were conditions they were both trained to avoid but also how to handle should they find themselves in a situation like this, were asked to believe that they chose not to use their RTK devices to send distress signals once realizing they were lost, or even the fact that they removed their raincoats to create a shelter that they ultimately were not found using as shelter at the time of their passing. Not to mention, and this is probably the biggest one, these men were fully equipped with everything they would ever need to start a fire. Two of the three men had been found clothed and been carrying backpacks, and within those two backpacks were small containers of gasoline as well as ignition sources. Yet, there was never any sign of a fire being made, which in terms of hypothermia making one would have quite literally saved their lives. That same question circulates throughout these articles all the time. Why would these local men choose any of this? And is it possible that something else happened? Locals and experts have put forth their theories, and there are quite a few of them, all ranging from the plausible to uh, more fantastical. Each is worth getting into, though as they help paint a better picture of what could have happened by narrowing down what most likely did not happen. Starvation Despite one article that attempts to claim the men did not have sufficient amount of food, we can rule out starvation. We know all evidence shows the men had more than sufficient amounts of food both in their makeshift shelter as well as inside the backpacks the men had been carrying with them when they died. Most importantly, 
Search and rescue along with medical personnel who helped in the discovery reported none of the men showed any signs of starvation. Exhaustion. Was the survey too strenuous for the men? Had they bit off more than they could chew, causing cardiac arrest? The PRC's assessment is that the area in which the men were going to, the sample site, was known to have unpredictable weather and many steep slopes made more dangerous when wet. However, the men suffered no injuries to suggest that they had suffered any sort of fall or traveled through any significantly rough terrain. Also, according to several interviews with fellow geologists and mountaineers, the task performed by the four geologists was actually very routine, with the normal crossing to the sample site being five or six hours on the faster end of things, and maybe ten hours on the slower. Not something that would typically send one, let alone four men, into sudden cardiac arrest. This was also the opinion of the NRCSC officials who had surveyed this mountain forest several times before. The Yaren Much like the North American Bigfoot, the Yaren has been described as walking upright, standing over two meters or six feet in height, having long, tawny hair on all parts, especially on the scalp, having a face resembling both an ape and a human, and are known for being incredibly powerful. Also, like Bigfoot, the Yaren is known to live in densely forested areas. So, did the men encounter this creature in the forest? I mean, probably not. In the rescue team's visual observation of the victims, most were relatively well-dressed and did not appear to have been inundated by wild animals as they didn't show any physical signs of trauma. As far as fighting goes, I don't think even this creature can kill four strong men at once. Although, while we are on the topic, this goes for any snake bite theories too. If there were a poisonous snake involved, it couldn't bite four people at the same time and likely wouldn't even try. Lightning strikes. Bloggers have reported the idea of lightning strikes being the cause of the death. Some have studied the thermal imaging pictures released by the media in which four people seemed to be facing this same direction when they fell, leading to the theory that they were suddenly and at the same time struck by lightning. Concerning the fourth man, they further speculated that he did not die immediately but instead, but instead climbed a distance before falling off a steep hurdle which would explain his position in relation to the others. This type of multi-pronged lightning strike has been known to occur, but they typically only occur in thunderstorm-prone summers and not typically in the winter. It did rain during the time the men were there as well as most of November, but there are no reports showing that there was in fact a very bad lightning storm during that period. When this type of lightning strikes, it's known to cause differences in damage to varying individuals, but primarily damaging the nervous system, which can also cause brain damage. Serious burns are rare, though strikes do cause marks on the body's surface. These lightning lines may appear 24 hours later, whether the victim is alive and or dead. We do not have the autopsy, but we do know the search and rescue personnel did not report any burns on the bodies when describing the state of the four deceased men. Miasma. It's possible this theory leans less on science and more on ancient theories. Be them true or false, we can't really rule it out entirely. The stories are about some of the ancestors of the area having entered the humid and hot forest on the south side of the mountain, only to fall inexplicably ill. They suspected the gas was poisonous and introduced the miasma theory, which was attached, which has attached itself to the area historically. Modern science can detect that animal and plant decay in humid environments can easily breed some bacteria such as tuberculosis, typhoid, tetanus, and others, but they usually infect patients through mosquito bites and skin damage. 
This is a typical concern in the summertime, but these men went missing in the winter, when there are far fewer mosquitoes, so it's highly unlikely. Though the infection process itself is not easy to detect, making it almost impossible to rule out entirely. As for the poisonous gas, well, just like bacteria, some toxic gases can be produced from animal and plant decay, including methane, hydrogen sulfide, ammonia, and more. But could that happen in this particular environment? This concentration of gases produced by animal and plant remains in outdoor forest settings cannot be compared to that of closed biogas tanks used in the study, meaning it's highly unlikely this would cause the immediate death of four people in such an open space. Mysterious illness, poisonous water, and the cover-up. This is probably the most popular theory, the one with the real potential in its validity. This one deserves its own category as it has received the most attention not by officials who claim hypothermia, of course, but notable experts in the area, retired geologists, former members of police, and several local residents, including those who still occupy villages on both the south and east end of the mountain. The theory follows the logic that the team may have all been poisoned, but not necessarily on purpose. This isn't a suggestion of murder, but rather a potential cover-up of an accidental poisoning. Apparently, poisoning in the Yunin is not uncommon. Reports of locals accidentally eating poisonous mushrooms occur almost every single year, and local hospitals have even made nursery rhymes about these mushrooms in order to warn people about eating them indiscriminately. However, mushrooms aren't the only thing known to poison people in the Yunin County, and they certainly aren't part of any cover-up. Instead, those who opposed the hypothermia theory believe the cover-up is actually related to a previous cover-up where a similar event took place between 1993 and 2003. During that time, 36 people died from an unknown illness in the exact same area. On to the cover-up and this alleged illness. In July of 1993, a villager entered his home to take a break and retrieve the tools needed to work on his home and in the process, he witnessed his wife suddenly fall to the floor. He assumed she had fainted and rushed to her aid, but she began twitching and slipped into unconsciousness. The man called for help and moments later, villagers explained the man himself also fell unconscious. The two never awoke again. Both of the deceased had no history of disease and died without any apparent cause. On the day of their funeral, a whole family in the same village also passed away under similar circumstances. The deaths led to rumors, speculations, and superstitions in the small village. In Yunnan, officials were alerted and a health director was dispatched to the Shiaku village in order to conduct a medical investigation. At first, the investigators considered myocarditis as the reason for the victim's death, but this theory was dismissed because it would be impossible to kill four people instantly and without warning. Due to the lack of progress in the medical investigation, officials had to leave the village and move on to other tasks. A few days later, another man from the same village died in his sleep and his brother's wife also died that same day. Only a few days later, that man's father also died. Like the previous deaths, none of the causes were evident and all three deaths occurred under similar circumstances. In the following month, the village lost five more people to unknown causes. Yunnan Park officials informed the PRC and the situation began to get more confusing. This led them to dispatch medical investigators to the village once more, and by this time, 14 people had already died. Medical officials now believed an endemic 
cardiomyopathy with high mortality rates called Kashan disease was responsible. They called for a meeting and told the villagers that Kashan disease was the culprit and advised everyone to take selenium to prevent and treat it. Despite obeying, the villagers continued to die suddenly and without cause for several more years, but examinations showed that they had not been deficient in selenium, which meant the officials had misdiagnosed the illness for a second time. The water. Autopsies were conducted on most of the recent victims and medical examinations now theorize Coxsackie could be the culprit. This is a non-herpes virus which causes small blisters on the inside of the mouth and can be spread through water contaminated by feces. The investigation uncovered that most of the deaths took place during July and August, a season of abundant rainfall in the area. The source of rainfall is less than clean though containing several contaminants, including excrement from the livestock. Given this information, it appeared the water was the cause, so PRC and Union officials began treating the contaminated water and cleaning the mountain spring water. Now, this clean mountain spring water was used for drinking after being disinfected in the summer. Arrangements were made for doctors to stay in the village and observe, just in case anyone showing symptoms again could be treated as quickly as possible. The cover-up. The solution worked until 2002 when 24 people fell ill from June to August, but medical personnel were stationed in the village and only 8 of the victims died. There were 36 deaths in the village between 1993 and 2003 caused by an unknown illness. Eventually in 2003, health officials took an extreme measure. Those living there were evicted forcibly without any explanation. The entire village was evacuated and moved further away from the mountain and water source. That's right, instead of identifying the cause of the problem and stopping it, they simply and forcibly moved those inside the area away from it. While this seemed to curb the problem of the mysterious deaths in the area, the actual illness and cause remained, and still to this day, remain unknown. November 13th, 2021. Now we are jumping back to November 13th, 2021, when the four geologists ended up in the same area as the previously contaminated water source, which was theorized to be responsible for the 36 deaths and was not far from the nearby village. The official theory states that the geologists unknowingly filled their water bottles with contaminated spring water, and when they drank the water, they ended up contracting the same mysterious illness from 28 years prior. As for the man who was discovered further away from the rest, unclothed, experts believe the man had less of the contaminated water, causing him to survive longer but became ill and disoriented, subsequently going into a sort of psychosis before removing his clothing and eventually dying from a combination of exposure and contaminated water. Many believe the hypothermia explanation to be a lie and theorize that since Yunnan officials and PRC never actually solved the problem which previously claimed so many lives, they have great incentive to cover up the official cause if related to contaminated water. The theory is rejected by those who claim hypothermia is responsible, but it's not exactly widely rejected because not only is there no autopsy report, but also no public independent studies were ever conducted on the men's bodies, which were released to the PRC government instead of the local medical examiner's office or the families. Perhaps authorities and officials were aware of something deadly in the area. Despite having done nothing to resolve it, maybe they hoped it was just a problem of the past. Or maybe they thought that so long as they continued to control the narrative, they could just sweep it under the rug. Well guys, now that we've untangled the web of a mystery a bit, or possibly further tangled it, my bad, I gotta know, what do you think happened to these four Chinese geologists? 
when it comes to their manner of death. How true are officials' claims? Are they lying? Simply claiming hypothermia to avoid any scrutiny over the mysterious illness of the area? Perhaps they are trying to avoid liability claims over water treatment negligence. Or maybe, just maybe, it really was hypothermia. I mean, after everything we've heard, I think it's safe to say that the cover-up theory is about as plausible as the hypothermia one, which is pretty dang plausible. With a basket of theories to pick from and more being invented every single day, drop your own comments and let's see how many votes we can get for the real culprit. Bigfoot. Okay, I'm just kidding about the Bigfoot thing, but I would love to know your thoughts in the comments down below. And thank you once again for making it to the end of another Swamp Dweller video. Today's case was definitely an interesting one. I randomly came across it on the internet a couple of months back and knew that this would be a great story to share with you guys. I haven't really ever shared any stories from China before, so I figured this would be a good way to start. Much thanks to my friend, Amanda Jane, who really did a lot to help me get this script together for you guys. Definitely show them some love. You can find a description to their YouTube channel down below. If you enjoyed this story, please be sure to slap that like button as it helps me out a ton. Be sure to subscribe if you're new to the channel as I upload new videos almost every single day on all things natural and supernatural. Be sure to find me over on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating over there as it helps us grow. Be sure to send in your stories at swampdweller.net or at r slash thedarkswamp on Reddit. And I'll see you soon with another creepy episode.